I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we we are Status Macabre. Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre. Hey. Hey. I am. I'm so glad that uh, we have control of what we can record and what we can post. And I don't know that I'm ever going to get used to this mic. We're in a studio, you guys. I think we've mentioned this before. Yeah. And I... I'm not as loud as Chrissy. No offense. It's a fact. Oh, yeah. No, I have a big mouth. And and my lips have to touch this microphone when I'm on this side, and I can't stand it. I can't stand it either, only because I don't want to hear you, you smack your lips. Oh, my God. You know I hate that. I know, Stop it. I know. See? <laughs> See? I'm like a toddler. You shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> so, anyway, I hope everyone had a great week. Um, as Carrie said, we're in the studio we have nothing exciting to share outside of our oh, podcast. We're going to do a, a oh, you got to share that because a crime I scene um, thing. Um, and I, and I I bought a ticket. Um, it's for six people a in a in a team, and they put together like you you have to figure out who killed somebody. Yeah, it's called the crime scene investigator. Criminally fun. Yeah. It's going to be funness. It's uh, CSI Columbia. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. So it's got five out of five stars and there's, yeah, you know, there's 121 reviews. I know. And I saw that a few people that we aren't really friends with anymore um, Mm -hmm. were like, ooh, we're going to do it too. So I can't wait to beat some ass. This is the catty Chrissy. I (laughs) am being petty. So that's okay. <laughs> we we all have our moments. So yeah, it's going to be really cool. I can't wait to uh, share that. It's not till March. So it's, that's right. It's not until the end of March. But and yeah, I, I haven't I haven't looked into this at all. I saw the pretty picture and I was like, yay, yay let's crime. do it. Yeah, yay, let's do it. And that's all I know. Yeah, I didn't really do a lot of research. So we hope we're not getting ripped <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like there's puppies crime um you know chocolate and wine i'll probably follow anybody in a dark alley exactly so same same same. who knows who knows we might be the ones that are being murdered we have no idea (laughs) they were asking for volunteers we had to pay 90 dollars to (laughs) be killed for somebody else to solve the crime right nice (laughs) so anyway all right you guys um super excited about the guy we're going to talk about today um I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it's, I'm going to spoil the surprise. It's Ed Kemper. Emil, E-M-I-L, email? Email, yeah. Email. So it's Edward Edmund, not Edward. Edmund Emil Kemper. The second. Mm -hmm. No, he's the third. Oh, is he the third? Yeah, that is a typo. Oh. Oh. So. I will not trust your writing ever again. That's fair. So in an interview, Ed said as a kid He had always had a fantasy of swallowing an eyeball. Ew. Yeah. Then he got tired of the fantasies and decided to make it, to make it real. There's nothing, quote, there's nothing to cutting off someone's head. She's pretty. I wonder if she tastes pretty, end quote. Ew. I wonder what qualifies somebody as tasting pretty. Is that like chocolate or vanilla? (laughs) Like, what do you compare that to? Wow, I got nothing. I'm just curious. (laughs) (laughs) Ed is, now Ed is still alive. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, he's still alive. He's a serial killer, a rapist, 
and a necrophiliac who murdered his grandparents, six mm. college students, his mother, and her best friend all before turning himself in. Now, if you ask me, um, and I'm sure everybody would agree with me, of course, uh, that <laughs> if he would have just whacked his mother in the beginning, we wouldn't have had to go through all this carnage. Right. I it's kind of like Eddie Gein. Like, just kill your damn mom and get I, over with it. I really think if yeah. if he would have done that, yeah. I don't, I'm not, you know, supporting anybody, killing anybody. I'm just saying. But when your mom is a bitch, your mom's a bitch. Not that I would kill my mother at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes your mother can screw you up. Uh, fair. And I, yes, I, I concur. I concur with that. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Ed was born in 1948 in Burbank, California. Now, he weighed 13 pounds <gasps> when he was born. Now, I had a cesarean, so I don't, I, I, I'm sure, I don't know, but 13, 13. pounds. My my brother, Daniel, you've met Daniel. Yeah. I think he was like 11 or 12 pounds. Oh, I could Will was eight, and, I, and that took a while. Did you have a cesarean with him? No, I had natural with both. And Catherine, I had the cesarean because she wouldn't turn around. Okay. Throughout his childhood and into his adult life, there were very few who were taller than he was. He was actually one of the children who was tall at a young age. You Mm -hmm. know, a lot of times with boys, they they don't catch up until Later. later in life. But he was tall at a very young age. And as an adult... He would reach six feet nine inches and weigh about two hundred and seventy-five pounds. He fluctuated between two seventy-five and three hundred. Wow! But you guys, big guy, and you know, not somebody that I would want to come across in a and, dark alley. In a dark alley, yeah. Even if they did have wine and chocolate, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, my spidey senses would start tingling. Right, you'd think. <laughs> His mother was an abusive alcoholic. She was very domineering, and she was critical of Ed. She actually blamed him for all of her problems. Don't know why you would blame a child for all of your problems, being being an adult, but here we are. They had a very difficult relationship between the two of them. And Ed Sr. was a World War II vet that became an electrician uh, and he would make statements that working and being in the war was more preferable to being around his wife. Oh, snap. That's Clar- horrible. <laughs> Clarnell was, was her name. So I'll go back to the front line in World War II. I do not want to be around my wife. Holy snap. So her name was Clarnell. That's a horrible name. Yeah, I was. Um, I mean, that's definitely an old name. Yeah, I've never, never heard it. You know, like I've. I've met somebody named Florida before. Yeah. I've met all sorts, but Clarnell? No, we need to put that on the list, though, next time we have to, we call each other <laughs> old people names. <laughs> You're Clarnell next. Ed was very close to his father, um, and it completely devastated him when his parents divorced and his mother moved him and his two sisters to Montana around the age of nine. Now, Ed was a middle child. He had an older sister and a younger sister. He was already struggling with several things, but he completely loses his sense of self-esteem. He has a low confidence level, and his fear of rejection just gets worse when his parents divorce. When he was 10, his mother moved him into the basement for fear that he may try to hurt his sisters. Now, it's unclear whether or not she had some sort of premonition of things that were to come, but... 
you know, he compared this to being cast off. He said it was like being put in a dungeon or a cave. He, he did not like being in the basement. It was dark. It was scary. He was nine or 10 years old. That is awful. So you think your middle child is going to just up and attack yeah. your daughter. So uh, as a precaution, because you're a thing with a, with a thing, meaning penis, you're going in, you're going in the basement. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Well, I couldn't get it out, but that's horrible. Yeah, I, you know, baby, I really did feel for him. I feel sorry for child Edmund. Yes. I mean, not adult Edmund, but yeah, I feel very sad for uh, him as a child. That's sad. So we don't have basements in this area, but when I visited my grandparents and they had a basement and it was very similar in Ed's Mm -hmm. room basement when he was younger, but the light switch isn't at the top of the stairs. You go down the stairs, mm-hmm. then you got to kind of feel along the, the wall. wall. Yeah. And then as a nine-year-old, you know, God knows what you're conjuring up in your head. And oh. he's, he's scared. Anyway, it, you know, all this combined, he goes into the dark basement he has to walk around. He has to find the light switch. He's already got all sorts of issues that he's struggling with. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, while he likely had some dark fantasies before this point, he really recalls this as being the time in his life of truly remembering what they were. He starts creating bizarre games to play, things that a nine-year-old really shouldn't know about. So he would sit in a chair and pretend that he was being electrocuted, oh, or he was um, pretend to be gassed in the death chamber. It's just, those are weird that is games a, to play for a nine-year-old. Definitely. And it really freaked his sisters out, right? Yeah, it would freak me out. Oh, so, hey, maybe maybe mom putting him in the basement wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a bad thing. thing. Um, I got the sense that, that these, I got the sense that these kind of started around that, around that time. Yeah. Whether maybe he did this before and she tossed him in the basement. I was going to say, hey, who wants to play electrocution? Me, me. Okay, I guess you're playing by yourself right. in the basement. Right. That That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> he also had um, a fantasy at this time, and this was one of his oldest fantasies that he recalled. He basically said that he, if he could kill the whole world by praying hard enough, he would do that, and he would be the only person here. Well, it sounds to me, you know, I'm putting on my psychological, my, my psychology hat, even though I don't have one, it's really tattered and it's shitty. It's a shitty hat. It's really small. But if I'm going to put that on right now, I'm I'm saying that this child has so much anger inside of him mm-hmm. that, and he has no idea how to cope with it. His mother is a complete psycho, apparently. Yeah. And his sisters can't help him. Yeah. And so, and his dad left. So therefore, he's just angry at the world. Angry at the world, and you're right. He doesn't know how to process it. He also um, has fantasies of killing someone, cutting them up, and eating them. And and keeping the head to talk to it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I shouldn't have laughed at that. It was just like, well, I mean, it just goes to show just how sad he is. I mean, I mean, sad in that he... He has nobody on his side. And you guys, this is the 60s. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. I think 50s, 60s, somewhere in there when this is happening. Because mm-hmm. we're we're actually talking about, you know, him growing up 
and we're coming to, you know, you close to teenagehood. Exactly. Yeah. He he feels like an unwanted child, which we just talked about. He's having terrible dreams. They wake him up in the middle of the night. He's screaming. He's wetting the bed. He's um, getting, he becomes afraid and scared of people in general. And he really, really, in case this wasn't clear, <laughs> he really resents his mother. No. Um, and this is a turning point for him. All of this is festering. Mm-hmm. Um, at the age of 15, Ed was six feet, nine inches tall. God almighty. 15. Why didn't he play basketball? Why didn't he use his powers for good instead of evil? Yeah. I I don't know. He could have totally dunked. He could have- <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> he had, at this time, antisocial behaviors. He spent a lot of his free time uh, during his youth torturing and killing domestic animals like cats and dogs. Uh, and this torture included dissecting animals. He even... Uh, I hate it when we, do the, when we torture the animals, you guys. But he buried a cat alive for <gasps> 10 minutes to see if it was still breathing. He dug it up. And when he saw that it was, he ripped the head off. Of oh it. my. Yeah. yeah. Why? I mean, I know why, but why? That's awful. I, yeah. Oh. Poor kitty. Yeah. Can you imagine though, what's going on in his head too, though? Like just the, yeah. I, I, mm. if, Mm-mm. if you're not paying attention to your children, if you listen to us, you should start paying attention to no your children. No doubt. If you see any dead animals around your children, you need to like get them help immediately. Right. I don't mean like a caterpillar. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah. Taking a, a magnifying glass and With popping ants, ants no. that doesn't count. Furries. Putting salt no, like, on hey, a slug does not count. That was actually pretty cool. I remember doing that. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> um, in 1963, Ed decided he doesn't want to live with his mother anymore. He gets on a bus. He just hops on a bus from Montana to go to California, and he wants to find his father. And he's hoping that his father's going to let him stay with him. He finds him. Uh, his father is remarried to a beautiful German woman, and I will post pictures of her. She's gorgeous. Oh, really? She's beautiful. But she really does find Ed to be a creep. Um, she says that he creeps her out. And, of course, hindsight, we know he is. I was going <laughs> to say, I mean. But at one point, he watches her get undressed. And after that, she wants him out of the house. She wants him gone. I don't blame her. She, I, I really don't either. You have a six foot nine dude staring at you while you get undressed. Mm-hmm. I, I just got chill bumps. I mean, unless he was really hot, I was, I'm, I want him out. <laughs> you know, and I, and I prepared the whole thing. Like, <laughs> like get you, out. You, you, <laughs> I like the element of surprise, but not, <laughs> that's taking it a little far. But. Her name is Elfried. And Alfred was, like I said, very scared of him. He would just sit and stare at, and stare is probably the wrong word, glare. Mm-hmm. He would just glare at her all the time. He was only there a few weeks before his father sent him back to his mother in Montana, basically telling Ed that he could not afford to keep him there. It really, really hurt Ed's feelings. And he leaves Montana, but he leaves Montana after only a few months. He goes mm-hmm. back. He stays for a couple of months. It's around Thanksgiving. And he's like, nope, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to go back to L.A. because I want to see my father. So he's kind of going back and forth. And I just looked her up just so you know. I had to I had to look her up. And Is she pretty? Yeah, she's very pretty. She's, she's, I don't know what someone like that is doing with Ed Sr., but whatever. 
I mean, she, I don't know. You, maybe got, you it, see the picture with the blonde hair. The yeah, yeah. she looks like Marilyn Monroe type. I know. Look alike. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. pretty. Yeah. Um, during the second visit, uh, his stepmother now is pregnant. Elfried is pregnant. Um, she and Ed are home alone, and he starts following her around the house. And he's closing curtains. He's shutting drapes. And he's just saying, it's too bright in the house. This is giving me a headache. What well, scares Elfried. And she starts opening up all the blinds after Ed. Right, right, right. Opening the blinds, pulling open the, the, the drapes. And she tells Ed to get the heck out. Get <laughs> out of here. Well, her son, uh, she had a son by a different Oh, okay, man. before. Okay. Right. Gilbert, Gilbert comes home apparently right at that moment, and sees how scared she is and how creepy Ed is acting. And he chases Ed out of the house with a claw hammer. So he gets a claw hammer, and he chases Big Ed right out of the house. We can only imagine what would have happened. We don't know, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> but I think that Ed probably was going to... He. It sounds like he may have raped her, or was going to. I think he probably would have killed her. Possibly. Um, his father hears about the incident and he complains that his son is always causing problems in his new life. And Ed actually hears him say that. And it, it makes 15, 16 year old Ed cry. It just breaks his heart. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I mean, when you're possibly running around, um, planning to either rape or kill, you have to his know. wife. I I'd complain too. Don't you? Don't you? Don't you think you would know if your son was creep? In the back of your head, you may not want to admit it, but I was you gonna. Know. I was gonna say. I think. You know, possibly I might possibly say my kid's a creep, but I would probably look for just. I think most parents would look for justification. I just as need to, to get why, him out. Yeah, why he's behaving a certain way, and it's oh, it's not that bad. It's not that right. bad. You know, right. so you minimize uh, it exactly. Yeah. We yeah. all, as as parents, I think we've all been there. Yeah. Well, this is this is the main reason. I'm sure there's others, right? But this mm-hmm. is the main reason Ed's father decides to take him to his parents' house okay. in North Fork, California. Ed thought that they were just going to go up there for a visit. It was mm-hmm. an isolated farm slash ranch about 250 miles away. And when Ed Sr. leaves Ed there, it completely crushes him. Oh, He gosh. had no clue. So, that he was getting, getting kicked out and sent to a farm. <laughs> it's almost like, it's like a dog. Um, yeah, we put the, we sent the dog to live on a farm. And so they, they there's rainbow Ed. bridges. Yeah, there's there's some unicorns, <laughs> lollipop fields, yeah. and all sorts of things. Yeah, he he had he had no clue, and I can actually imagine, I can imagine how this made Ed feel. Oh God, yeah, he, you're again, no one's on your side. Yeah, he had no way of leaving. Mm-hmm. He was lonely. He was isolated. His parents literally lived at the top of a hill, mm. um, in a uh, and of course, to me, it would be awesome because I think I'm into that ranch what farm life or whatever, but he couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really start out too bad there. He meets a neighbor and some kids and he has some friends. However, he is ridiculed a lot in school because of his height. Now to me, I think that's cool being that tall. I don't, I mean, I guess people get picked on being. Well, I mean, people get picked on for anything that is different than them. That's fair. 
But ultimately, he completely hated with his grandparents. But they felt that they could help him. Oh, well, I mean, kudos to them. Ed felt that he was just shipped off to live with his, quote, unquote, my senile grandfather. Mm -hmm. And, quote, my grandmother who thought she had more balls than any man and was constantly emasculating me and my grandfather to prove it. I couldn't please her. It was like being in jail. I became a walking time bomb and finally blew, end quote. So mm. that is, that's what, you know. That's what set him off. Yeah. Was the, the woman who, well, it was probably kind of like his mother. Well, who, that's the thing. His, yeah. His grandmother reminded. Now, these are his father's parents. Yeah. But she actually reminded him of Clarnell, his yeah. mother, too. Right. So he had a rifle while he was living there. Oh, that's not good. But he killed so much wildlife. Like he would shoot birds and rabbits and gophers and that sort of thing, which I think a lot of boys do that. Um, what ups? <laughs> <laughs> but he, he did it so much that his grandmother took the rifle away. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it, it pissed him off. It, it frustrated him very badly. On August 27th, 1964, while his grandfather was out grocery shopping, Ed and his grandmother had an argument. Ed's building rage was unleashed on his grandmother when he grabbed a gun, that rifle, mm-hmm. and shot her in the back of the head. Ow. So you're, what triggered him? <laughs> what happened, Ed? Well, um, he was going to go outside to play with his rifle and shoot things. Mm-hmm. His grandma just yelled at him, don't shoot the birds. And then that's what and, and set him off. Yeah. But Ed apparently would deliberately kill the animals just to piss her off. So they would go back and forth, right? Right. Well, I mean, she had a right to take the damn gun away then. She's sitting at the kitchen. She's doing some work. She's reading the paper. I don't remember exactly what she was doing. But she's distracted. She doesn't know that Ed's going to come back in and whack her. Right. Well, he he shoots her twice in the head and he shoots her once in the back. But that first shot, really, it killed her instantly. Right. Shortly after, he heard his grandfather outside getting groceries out of the car and decides in a split moment to kill him as well. Um, he he didn't want his grandfather to find out that his grandmother was dead. So, so was, that was his justification for yes. killing. I, do, I just don't want you to find out, so I'm going to kill you too. Also was said that Ed's grandfather was probably the only person that he truly loved. Yeah, and that's really sad, but that uh, that just goes to show the mind of a psycho. Exactly. He said it, it felt good while he was doing it to be able to strike out at the people that were hurting him the most. Right. That's... Mm. And afterwards, who do you think he called? His mama? He called his mommy. Hey, guess what? I just killed my grandparents. They really, they really had a love-hate relationship. She tells him, and she's calm. Mm-hmm. She tells him, call the police, tell them exactly what you did. And Ed does just that. He is convicted and sent to a California Youth Authority. So he's like how old at this point? 15. 15, 16? Okay. Yeah. Mm. I, 15, okay. 16, right around there. Okay. So during the six years that he's there, he goes through a variety of tests he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, they also determined that he has a very high IQ. His family said that when he was tested as a child, maybe not a child, but younger yeah. than 15, his IQ was around 180. Holy crap. Now, 
this has never been corroborated though. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, this is just what the family is, is saying. And they, and they truly do believe that he dumbed down his answers to purposefully get a lower score. I've seen 130. I've seen 135. I've seen 155. Okay. So he's regardless, he's, it's still off the charts. He's off the charts. Yeah. And there's, again, there's no evidence of, of what I said with the, the 180 and what the family says, but I said, I saw it so many times. I yeah. felt that it was noteworthy. Well, and you know, it's funny, but how many people do you know? Well, I don't know that many people with like crazy IQs, but that you're either very smart and are logical and I, whatever it is that puts you into genius, right? I mode? know one. Right. But, and they have like horrible intimacy issues. They no don't. No social skills. No social skills. And they, it's like you can either emotionally. So do you um, want to be smart and fun? I mean, smart and boring or stupid and fun. Yeah. It, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's like you're either, you either emotionally connected and you know how to have a relationship with people and you have social skills or you're just really smart and a dick. I mean, I don't know. Right. <laughs> Which one do you want to be? I mean, surely I, I would like to find out what it feels like to be that smart. But at the same time, I feel like clearly it was torturous for him. Yeah. Yeah, he was, um, his childhood was just, just really sad, especially because I think had his mother lightened up mm -hmm. at any point before this happened yeah. and, and showed him love and affection, love, just yeah, love. love, even, yeah. even, um, they said that as a child, his, their father wasn't very, while he was, I guess the better parent, mm -hmm. he he wasn't very, very affectionate. He did. He never hugged the children. He never kissed the children, even when they were toddlers. Oh, wow. His sister, his younger sister said that his father would, um, you know, push them away, mm -hmm. not aggressively, but you know, no, no, none of that go play. Yeah. Children should be seen and not heard. Um, and they need love. They just not, need some of love. course they do. So I feel, I feel really bad that he got none of it. Sure. He goes through therapy while he's, while he's there. So he's, I'm sorry, and he's in a, just kind of like a juvenile detention center. It's, yeah, it's a okay. ca California Youth Authority. So it's like a, it's like a. Jail for kids. More of like a hospital. Got it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Um, But hospital isn't quite the Yeah, right sure. Word. It's like a secured medical facility for bad children. Who kill their grandparents. Who kill their grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he goes through therapy. He talks to scores and scores of physicians and psychiatrists. Well, he picks up on a few things. Again, guys, very smart. Mm -hmm. He's very smart. He was polite. He was male-mannered. Well, -mannered. <laughs> I was going to say. He was male-mannered. He's male-mannered. <laughs> sure, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> he was well-mannered. And he states with pride that he was able to hold a job at the age of 19 as the head of the psychological testing lab, working directly under the chief psychologist. Oh, wow. So he, he when I say well-read, he read everything, mm -hmm. and he was able to retain this information. I was going to say comprehend and retain it. And spit it back out. Wow. He was also able to, he was also able to, you know, people liked him. Yeah, he seemed like he had a good 
personality, you know, just based off of interviews and stuff that I've, I've heard, um, of him and, and the way they portrayed him in Mindhunter. And from, and from what I read, that's spot on. Yeah. And he, I mean, I got chills Yeah, because can you, I mean, just, I would love to sit and talk to him. I would too, but he's no longer, he's no longer responding to letters, letters or, or anything. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I, Cause I was like, Ooh, I'm going to write a Kipper. I need a pen pal, <gasps> but no. Yeah. I mean, I could, but right. you probably wouldn't respond. He's wheelchair bound now, too. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to quote something that he said, quote, I felt I definitely could have done a lot of good there, helping people return to the streets. I could have fit in there quicker than anyone else. After all, I grew up there. That used to be my home, end quote. So he spent majority of his teenage years there. Mm-hmm. While he was there, he became a member of the Junior Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. It was because of his intelligence that made him a valuable aid in testing and research. So he actually helped develop some of the new test scripts for the MMPI. So he helped develop the overt hostility scale. And this really was something that helped to develop treatment plans and determine diagnosis and several other things. So, I mean, I guess if you're going to have someone help you, why not a paranoid schizophrenic? Yeah, I was going to say somebody. Well, sociopath. Well, somebody who is... You but know, they trusted him. Yeah. He manipulated them completely. Yeah. But he he really did. How's that for ironic, though, uh, right? No, it is very ironic. But you would think that he would have done something just out of the goodness of his heart. But I guess he doesn't. He just doesn't even have that side of him. Yeah, he That's, definitely struggles with it. Ugh. So in 1969, at the age of 21, he's released to the custody of his mother. Now, this goes against all of the suggestions and the advice from all of the doctors that he talked to in the six years that he was there. Mm -hmm. They said um, they really did feel that his mother was part of the problem for him. Yeah. The main problem. Right. Yet he went right back to her. He went right back to her. He moved in with her. And her Santa Cruz home. So she had moved from Montana back to Santa Cruz. And she moved there to take a job with the University of California. Mm -hmm. So she worked on campus. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. yeah. I forgot that she actually worked at the school. Right. Which, you know, I just think about every time we do one of these, I think we always go, this is when it could have stopped. Or this is when it could have stopped. Right. Or (laughs) why didn't we do this? Sure. Um, and things just snowball. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty. Kemper tried really hard to get his record expunged, um, and he tried really hard because he wanted he wanted to become a cop. <laughs> right? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, reading about that, and he probably would have been good at it. You know, from a, de- a detective standpoint, Man, being he, able to put things together. He was. I mean, I think I, I definitely think there was. Not much he could not do have done, yeah. yeah. And and he it it was it was honestly was always a dream of his, mm-hmm. but he was denied because of his size. Really, mm-hmm. he was too big. That is the weirdest excuse ever. Wouldn't yeah. you want a big cop? I mean, I <laughs> I would rather a big cop than a little. I mean, these than a little tiny dude. I could <laughs> run over him, <laughs> right. break him in half. I mean, I I I've seen some <sighs> cops like. Man, I would just be embarrassed. I'd get back in the car. Well, and not only that, but some that are just so out of shape and large. 
I thought, you know what, this may be a question for Ryan, but do they not have, or even Ro- I, do they not have to take tests yes. to be in shape? You do. I mean, you absolutely do. So, okay. yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, when you look at some of the cops that we've encountered, how they are not required to lose some weight at all. I wonder if there is, um, maybe you get put on desk duty until you can. I I think as long as, and I have to ask Ryan, but I think you get to a certain point where you don't have to have like serious PT or, or whatever. When right. You, you know, most of them do go to the gym, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them that just, they, I think for most of their career, ate donuts. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> what was your main focus? Eating the donut. I don't know what the life of a cop is like. We, we need to explore that. But I mean, I've heard the jokes. Next <laughs> episode of Stas Macabre. So, so he was denied um, because of his size. Mm-hmm. So he did the next best, best thing in okay. his mind. He decided to hang out at a local bar called the jury room. And this was where all the cops hung out in the area, right? right? So he would go often and he really couldn't stand being by himself. He wished he was a cop and he really, he really, really did enjoy hanging around them. So, well, yeah. Can you think about like some of the stories that are being told and and things like that? I mean, it would be interesting to sit at a bar and talk to a bunch of cops. I think so. I, but now he didn't do a lot of the talking. He didn't do much talking at all, but he was able to put an act on. Nobody knew who he was. Mm -hmm. He was quiet. Nobody checked on his past. It did take a while for his record to become sealed or expunged, whichever one it was. I cannot recall, but it, it did pass. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, now I am definitely, I like the first time I meet somebody, I'm Google searching everybody. So Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so so that wouldn't have happened with me, but they didn't have that then. But nobody decided to do any research to look into him. Right. I no. mean, what, why would you? There would be no reason to. I mean, I just think he's so huge. If I lived back then. <laughs> you were like, I got to find out. What's I going would have on. been like, I got to find out about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> All because he's really big. I mean, whatever your justification is. I mean, I don't care if that's judgy, but that's what I would do. <laughs> you're you're six nine. Oh, okay. We're I'm going home to Google one. your ass. <laughs> so anybody who's ever six nine, Carrie's coming after you. I'm running a report. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um. After when he was released, I said he was released to the custody of his mother, mm-hmm. but but he really did move in and out. He moved in with his mother, then he would went, go and rent an apartment, and then he would move in with his mother when his money ran out. So right, yeah. he was back and forth. So kind of uh, probably more typical of a twenty year old. So yeah, that makes sense. And and you know, um, he was, you know, things in six years time. What changes in six years time? But he missed. That's a huge portion of his childhood, right? Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he said things completely changed. Well, the and, style changed. He came out completely not in style. Oh, I'm right? sure. I'm sure. His corduroy probably was out of style. I think he had, I think what he said he had to do was like, uh, let his hair grow out a little bit, and let his sideburns grow. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, yeah, sideburns the, were a thing. Definitely. Because what we were talking about, early 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
Not long after he moved back in with his mom, he was able to land a job with the highway department. Not as a cop. He just worked with the highway department. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was in an accident while riding his motorcycle. Now, <laughs> what? That's hilarious. <laughs> That's why I can't even say it. Like six foot nine on a motorcycle. <laughs> It's like he's riding a little, you know, it's like the monkey's riding the little tiny bikes. I just can't imagine what he looked like. Like this Stay puff Marshmallow Man on a motorcycle. On a motorcycle. Are you sure it's a real motorcycle or was it a scooter? It was, it was a it legit. Is Which is even funnier. A real motorcycle. What did he do? Just like topple over because it was so top heavy? It was douche. He I just sat on it was, and it fell over. He apparently was... <laughs> this is terrible. He apparently was in an accident. Um, and he injured his arm really, really bad. Okay. I think that was the the major injury. Um, and bad well, yeah, enough. when you fall over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bad enough that he ended up suing the driver. Oh, wow. And he wins a $15,000 settlement. Now, Snap. In, yeah. In today's economy, that would be like $107,000. That is... I mean, that this, was if that I want to, this is going to be so childish. <laughs> like if I were, were to win $107,000, mm-hmm. I'd fucking quit my job for a year and put that in savings and just like live chill off for a little bit. You and me both. I wouldn't spend it. I didn't do some investing, but I'd, um, I'd take some time. No doubt. So I'm, I mean, maybe that made him more attractive to women. <laughs> that kind of money. I mean, I, um, there's not can't imagine him being attractive at all to anyone. Yeah, I was just throwing it out there. I mean, I, w- I think that you would need the money and the motorcycle. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> when you already wrecked it. So, and he's got a gimp arm now. So, oh, yeah. And, and, he, and it was messed up bad. Well, he would use a portion of that money. Um, and again, you guys, he would, he would blast through money. He would get oh. some money. He'd move out on his own. He mm-hmm. was, he was very, uh, not smart about how he spent his money. But he would use that money to buy a car. It was a bright, I don't know why you would pick yellow, but a bright yellow Ford Galaxy. Um, that I would be known as, as the death tramp, essentially. Death trap, not tramp. I was going to say. I mean. Freudian slip. <laughs> um, it's a huge car. Yeah. And it's yellow. Um, so it looks like a big banana. And it's, it stood out. To everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with his new set of wheels, he starts picking up hitchhikers in the Santa Cruz area. He claims that he gave hundreds, he said over 200 rides to young women, and some were men, but mostly young women, um, that were hitchhiking in the area before he actually started killing them. So he was just getting up the courage. He had, yeah, he was getting up the courage. He was plotting. He was thinking. Mm-hmm. He he put a lot of thought into how he was going to kill these people. How he was going to mm-hmm. do it. And his job with the highway department, mm-hmm. because he was he had to travel yeah. for work, mm-hmm. um, he was able to find very remote areas, uh, maybe roads that were dead end that weren't used as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he spent, he did spend some time Looking for that perfect place to dump a body. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not, I, I kind of do, I think I do believe that he that he probably did give 
maybe not hundreds, right? But he probably did give many women rides before he killed him because <clears throat> he was so shy mm-hmm. and um, he wasn't confident. So I can confidence. Yeah. yeah, I can see where he was probably working it up. You know, working his gumption up to. All right, I'm going to kill this one. Yeah. And probably everyone that got in the car, he was probably, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and then lost his nerve. Yeah. Um, when he does decide to put his plan in motion, it's it's barbaric and it's terrorizing. I cannot begin to imagine the fear that those women felt when Ed attacked them. And then I can't imagine women getting in a car with a six-foot-nine man. Yeah. Well, so that's, I was actually kismet, right? Because what authorities said was that he likely, people did not likely know how tall he was because he was sitting down. He never got out. Right. So you wouldn't be able to see that he was a giant and he was like the green bean guy. The the jolly green giant. (laughs) The jolly green giant. I I couldn't think of his name, but yes. Ed, the green bean guy. Ed, the green bean guy. So close. So close. I'm making a shirt as the green bean guy. <laughs> so, so you guys, I we're going to stop here for oh, this episode um, because I want to make sure that we get into all the good gory stuff in the next one. Well, that sucks. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> but all right. Thanks, everybody. I hope everybody has a great week. Um, stay right, warm. I don't want to talk about that, but yes, we have to go to work tomorrow. Well, I just, I just walk across the hall. I was going to say, I actually have to get dressed and go go into the office, which really sucks. Double, double suck, suck. (laughs) That that was taking from a previous quote of slut, slut, double slut. I just (laughs) reformed it. I like it. (laughs) Okay. Bye guys. Bye. 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 This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Neek the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, please visit statusmacabre.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Neek the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.